Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Enjoy local voices. Enjoy local opinions. All on one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast DC is the new local app with hundreds of DC area podcasts. Featuring some of the DC area's best personalities, pundits, and provocateurs. Earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts you love instantly. With new programs being added every week, don't hesitate. Download Podcast DC now for free. Available in the App Store or in Google Play. Podcast DC. Listen local. Nino Lion Media presents Wardrobe Boss. Hi there. Thank you for checking out the Wardrobe Boss podcast. I am Eliza Perilla, personal stylist and home organization coach, and I am the Wardrobe Boss. Uh, today we're talking Fashion Week for swimwear. Danae Mariah has a lot of influence in this sector, and we want to know all about it. Danae, welcome to the podcast, and please tell me that I pronounced your name correctly. Absolutely. Yes, Danae. How are you doing, Eliza? I'm great. Thank you. Danae, you're a fashion model and an event planner. Now, did you create DC Swim Week and Miami Swim Week? I can't personally take credit for that. That was our amazing CEO and founder, Mo. Um, But I kind of always had a foot in the door in fashion. Um, When I was in college, I had to work two jobs, you know, just to pay for it, like a lot of people. Um, And I started a lot in the field of like retail management, marketing. um, But I was in college. I thought I was going to be a teacher. (laughs) Um, But when Mo found me, I was actually, I believe, like a GM for like a small DMV, you know, um, store. And then I was also running a marketing apartment for like a restaurant, but it had venue spaces and did like corporate events. Um, and we just kind of collabed on an event. Um, and I really liked his working style. I think it was very hard for me to find people that I work well with in that aspect, especially in such a high pace environment. Um, And we just kind of meshed, but I actually started as his intern Um, and he started DC Swim Week about 12 years ago. And I got in, I think, on the second year. Um, So, yeah, it's been an amazing process. We just moved into Miami. Wow. Um, Two years ago is when we officially moved into Miami. That is so awesome. Um, You know, that's not easy to do. And what's awesome about it is that you've kind of got recruited into a great situation without even knowing. And that's great because that doesn't happen to a lot of people, especially so fresh out of college. People have to spend years paying their dues. So um, that's what I think is so cool about it. (laughs) It was was kind of a blessing. I got lucky and I tell him all the time. I'm so um, grateful for him. And, you know, it was just such a process, you know, at the same time, I was always doing something else. And it was kind of like my leisure time, even though it was supposed to be a job and it was, you know, something that I was supposed to be building a resume around. I really enjoyed it. And like I said, I was supposed to be a teacher Um, and coming out of school, you know, it just, I found it was something that I enjoyed putting my time to and not that I don't enjoy teaching and not that it's not a realm that I've also also explored. Um, But just the fashion industry in general and what 
impact that has and what this role, you know, really meant for me it was just something that I had to, you know, continue to pursue. Now, how did, what came first? Did the modeling come first? No, actually, the modeling did not come first. The modeling came kind of as a, um, a byproduct of, you know, doing this event planning. So I started working with fashion shows. I started working closely with designers. And a lot of times designers would be like, do you ever model? And I was like, no, you know, like that wasn't a space that I thought was something that I would even consider being, um, you know, it was just wasn't me. And then the first shoot that I did, I fell in love. Like, you know, it wasn't necessarily the pictures that I got after. It was the feeling of being behind the camera and feeling, you know, self-conscious and then that confidence building as the shoot went on. And that was just something that made me step out of my comfort zone. Um, And so, no, actually the modeling was an accident, a beautiful one, (laughs) but it was actually an accident. (laughs) And I, you know, I really enjoy it, but... (laughs) It did not mean for it to happen. No, it did not mean for it. What an interesting accident, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you just, you build a network in the fashion industry is very small. You'll find out it's huge, but it's also very small. So once you get into that network of photographers and designers and, you know, all of that is just a very close niche. And so, um, yeah, it was just a beautiful world once I stepped into it and I just decided to follow all assets of it and, um, I've enjoyed it so far. Now, what would you say has been your most rewarding experience or life lesson as a result of this? Oh, man. Um, So one thing I'll probably say with that is you kind of have to always evolve, right? In, In the fashion industry, especially, you have to make sure that you stay authentic to yourself. And a lot of times, um, I think it gets very quick, easy to you know, they, it's has undertones of superficiality. So you tend to want to change yourself. You tend to want to conform to what you see around you. And I think a lot of what I got to do, and I I got lucky, I kind of started later in life with modeling, you know, a lot of girls, they start kind of young. And um, I think I had enough discernment at the time to really pick things that fit me. Um, And so I got to constantly evolve and change because you have to stay grounded in this industry. You have to make sure that you're staying authentic to yourself. And I think one of the biggest blessings that I found and I wasn't really looking for was as you're going through this process and you have to remind yourself, you know, who am I? Because you see everyone's trying to make you and put literally makeup and designs and you have to kind of constantly remind yourself who you are. And in that process, I found that it was just a never ending cycle of growth and really exploring me. And I've loved that. Um, that was something I didn't expect to come from it. You know, um, the reason I never thought I was going to model is that I, I thought that it was very, I don't want to say vain because I, I, but you know, I thought that there was things behind it that I just, I, I didn't support. And once I got into it and really understood that it's all what you make it and what you decide to do and the people that you decide to, you know, work with, that became a whole new door for me. And it really constantly made me evolve and it constantly made me evaluate my situations. And it made me so much stronger in other areas of my life and in other areas of my professions. And um, I think that's been the most rewarding part. You know, we've had amazing shows and I've got to do amazing things and meet great people, but it's really the process that was actually the most rewarding for me. The, you know, the, the just the learning and the myself, the environment, the, the industry in general, it was amazing. It's been an amazing process. I, I kind of get that you're right. You're, you have to be at a certain place mentally to navigate that because you can easily put yourself in a box 
or be put into a box if you don't know if you don't know who you are. So what do you think a woman should have in place to be successful as an individual, not only career wise? Yeah, that's a hard question because for me, success looks different to absolutely everybody. You know, people's mm-hmm. definition, what people think is success, is always going to be different. Um, but I think, you know, we all have that one thing that we enjoy doing that gives us the most human qualities. Um, and I think when we are doing those things, I think to really be successful at them, you need to have somewhat of a foundation. It goes back to what I said before, you know, really knowing yourself, um, being kind of sure of yourself, but mostly just being fearless. Um, you know, as women, we're told no in so many aspects or where we, you know, or we're, we don't know how to say no in a lot of aspects, you know, both ends. And so I think for women, just understanding, you know, who we are, what we stand for, not changing that and um, believing in ourselves first, because I know throughout the process, there was so many people who believed in me. Right. But I, until I was like, I think I can do this. Nothing moved. Right. Like nothing happened. And I think, um, as I grew and as I, um, felt more and more prepared, the opportunities came and the opportunities didn't come until I was ready. Right. So just as a women, we just, um, you know, the world is kind of hard for us, you know, it's especially a professional industry where you're trying to move up a ladder nothing is set up really for you to succeed. So you have to believe in yourself. You have to build a foundation of people around you who are strong and, you know, really believe in you. And um, it's really just the foundation that you build, you know, and following exactly what you love absolutely fearlessly because um, there's going to be a million milestones and each one that you hit, you have to be like, yes, this is hard. Yes. Maybe the world's telling me no, but I'm going to keep going, you know? And so, It's not always the easiest thing to do, but if you have the right structure, you can continue to build on it. Fearlessly following what you love is excellent advice. That is a great anecdote. And thank you for sharing that. You know, fashion week, well, right now, right now, more than ever, the market is saturated with swimwear and you specialize in swimwear and fashion week for swimwear in DC and Miami. Can you tell us some swimwear brands that are excellent quality and great price points? Uh, Okay. So because I've worked with so many designers, it's not fair to give you any one name, but I can tell you exactly what to look for when you're looking for swimwear, because right now we have so many industry giants like Mm -hmm. Victoria's Secret or whatever. Um, And that's, not really what you should be looking for when you're looking for swimwear because all of the quality comes from the people who are at home sewing these pieces, hand putting on jewels. Those are the independent designers. And a lot of times um, we're looking to buy these things from what, like Fashion Nova or Amazon where it comes tomorrow. And um, I truly ask people to, especially with any clothing industry, the fashion industry in general, but especially swimwear, because I know how much work goes into these each pieces. Um, It's so important to start looking at people who are kind of veering away from that wholesale um, premise and doing more of social media or, you know, websites or um, e-commerce that's more on their own scale. um, Because that's the people, one, who need your money. Those are the people who appreciate your money. (laughs) You know what I mean? And those are the people who are going to make sure that each piece that they give you is quality because they want repeat customers. They're not going to send out crap because they have 10 million customers and they're overproducing. And, you know, each thing is not meant to fit every body type. So 
there's so many amazing designers right now who are catering to more curvy girls and, you know, all of these different things. And so um, I just implore people to not, you know, go with, you know, names that you maybe have always known. And to really look at these, you know, even these brand ambassadors, you know, these girls who are on Instagram and they tag there, you know, and you're like, okay, you know, how many can you, but that is actually, that is the best way for designers to get it in front of you because those girls, you think that sounds cute. Click that tag, look at that um, designer, because honestly, those are the people who need it. And it's incredible to see what they've created. And that's where the creativity is. Um, You know, that's where the new innovation is. So um, definitely independent designers. I would definitely, you know, tell people kind of focus there first if you need a new piece. That's an excellent point, right? We're in a time of fast fashion. And I know for me, and maybe you can even give me a tip, which I'm super happy to take. I love to support independent designers. The thing that sometimes stops me from doing so is that if I buy something that looks like great quality on the gram, but then I get it and it's acrylic or something I don't want to wear, now I'm going to have a problem returning it. So that's my issue. I don't mind supporting you, but I want an easy return, not a fight with a return, not a we're not giving you your money back. I feel like if you're doing ethical business, then I'm more than happy to do business with you. Oh, that's absolutely. I mean, we've all had that. You know, we've all ordered from somewhere and been like, this is not what I saw in the picture. Um, So, yeah, I can completely understand that. Um, And that just comes down to each designer's credibility, right? So how long have they been in the industry? What does their website look like? What have they really do? They take pride in what they do. And you can see very clearly even from someone's social media page, if they take pride in their product, right? Or if this is something that's like a side hustle for them and they just, you know, want quick money. And because, you know, industry science started little too. So that work ethic is all across the board. Um, So, no, I get that. And I think it comes down to there's reviews. I would always go to the tagged pictures. That's a great way to start because, um, um, you know, people who really enjoyed their product, they're going to tag it. Right. And so then you get to see how real people wear their product, if they wear their product. And if people aren't tagging it, people don't like it. So, you know, it's very clear. And so it's a lot of research. And I know that might be harder than just, you know, pushing ads a cart on a, you know, certain website. But sometimes it's worth it, especially so that you're not wearing the same, you know, swimsuit as 10 other girls on the beach. You know, that happens as well. So take the time, I would think always. But that is definitely an issue um and i've had it come up but you know good designers have figured out a way around that and do great returns um or you know make sure they cater to you so they'll find something that does fit you so it's just finding the right designers and all things and that's very valuable information because i'm always looking for a great swimsuit that looks like something i've never seen before and that's not easy because it's a swimsuit it's the least amount of fabric used to make any clothes (laughs) So like, you're like, how can people continue to get creative? And they really are. There are so many creative swimsuit designers. And it just, that's one thing that I love to buy because it's such a niche product. And I'm always looking for something that not only complements my body type, but that looks like something I've never owned before and that I would enjoy wearing. Besides swimwear, what article of clothing do you feel is necessary that people don't pay too much attention to? Oh, I like this question. Um, For me, I don't know about other women, 
For me, it's my handbag. Okay, I have like a thousand handbags. I wear the same one every day. I don't like switching things out. It's huge. It's got all, you know, it fits the diapers and the bottles and the, you know, I have one handbag. And so, of course, accessories in general, there's all kinds of, you know, areas you could go. But for me, a good handbag, I will wear for years. You know what I mean? Not every day, but like, you know, I'll keep it. I'll maintain it. Um, so that, and of course, it's explored, um, but but it's usually the very similar concepts, right? So like how you were saying with swimwear, I've seen the creativity come out so, I mean, it's it blows, blows my mind sometimes. Like you said, what people can do with such a small amount of fabric is incredible. I, I see bags and it's like, okay, it's a different color. You know, like give me something, something to it. And so um, I've been seeing it recently. People are getting more and more creative. They're making stands with their thing. Um, one of my favorite designers is actually a, also a Howard alum. Um, and he started a black owned hand um, bag company called Sice. And on the bag, it says protect black people, protect black women, very simple vegan leather bag. It's simple, right? But it, every time you wear it out, you're saying something. Every time you wear it out, you're standing for something. It's something that says you something about you. And I love that. And I think handbags, you wear it every day. Like, you know, for me, I wear it every day. I switch my shirt. I switch my pants. I'll switch my shoes. But my handbag stays the same. So um, I think it's something that, you know, I personally wish I was better at designing because I might, that would be an area I would love to explore, but I cannot. <laughs> I know my strengths, but um, I love a good handbag. The thing about handbags, right? And I mean, when I was younger, yes, I would always, I would buy a lot of different handbags. That I don't do anymore. Somehow I just, like you said, I evolved and I grew out of that. And, um, but I noticed that, and this is going to sound a little bit like I'm trying to push people to buy expensive handbags. I'm not. But I do notice when I buy a quality handbag and I spend an obscene amount of money, something that I would don't even want to spend. But um, for me, a handbag is a staple piece of wardrobe for myself. Um, I do live in it. I do wear it pretty much every day. I don't like to switch handbags. It's a pain in the butt. Now in the summer, I do a little more switching because I have this very tiny um, PS1 Proenza schooler handbag. And then I have it in a medium size as well. But I can fit so many things in that little handbag. And I love it. And I love a crossbody because I live in a city and I'm always moving. So I want my hands free. I don't want my hands holding a handbag. It's too much. I live in New York. If I got to run, I need to run. I can't be worried about my handbag and I need my handbag, keys, wallets, cell phone. So I need my handbag. It's very necessary. So you did, you do make an excellent point because I think the more handbags you have, it just, it becomes so like, oh my gosh, what handbag? So my categories are really easy. It's like, these are, you know, black tie, evening handbag, like a Chanel for just evening, and then maybe five or six other handbags. I don't have too many handbags because it becomes so complicated. And you're right. You kind of do. Uh, for me, I like to live out of my handbag because I'm always going, running, or sometimes I have to throw it in my car. You And if you forget to put something in your handbag, that's a huge deal. Oh, my gosh. I don't have my 
glasses case. I don't have my hand sanitizer. I don't have, I left it in my other bag. Or you leave your wallet in your other bag. And so you're so used to it being in your bag, you don't realize it. So I think that you are absolutely correct in that. One uh, one article of clothing that I feel is necessary that people don't pay much attention to, and I didn't either until recently, but is a cover-up. Oh, yes. Wow. Do I never wear a bathing suit. Field? Yeah, you would think that I would think more about that. We do feature some sometimes on the runway, but you're absolutely right. And it's so necessary. Do you know how many times I had one cover up and I wore it for 10 bathing suits? <laughs> and I'm like, darn, I should have invested in more. So you're right. <laughs> Never thought about that. Hmm. That's the one thing I see. The only reason I thought about it is because I have clients and I'm always in clients' closets. And, you know, this is what you should have. This is what you should wear. This is everything you should have to have a complete working wardrobe. And one of the things that I find that a lot of women don't have are summer accessories. So they may have a ton of swimsuits, but they don't have summer accessories. And so you'll pack dresses, you'll pack all kind of stuff, and you'll forget cover-ups or you'll pack one cover-up and one cover-up may not go with every bathing suit. Am I saying you have to have one cover-up for every bathing suit? Of course not. That's absurd. But I'm just saying, I think cover-ups and the way they fit are very important. Not every cover-up looks great on every person. You've got to get the one that fits you right. But I think it really complements your swimsuit when you have the right cover-up or the right hat. The right accessory in general is crucial, but I never, yeah, I had this bright yellow one and I think I wore it as a cover-up, a dress, a beat, you know, everything. And now that, now that I'm, I, the moment we get off, I'm literally going <laughs> to order more cover-up. And the summer, I don't care. <laughs> oh my God, so Styling any collection really takes a great deal of skill. Can you think of a time, of course, don't mention names, but can you think of a time when you've seen bad styling take away from a good collection at sure one of your runways? You sure you don't want names? I'm just oh, kidding. <laughs> um, I think anyone, absolutely anyone who's um, done a production has seen some styling mistakes. I think myself, my first year actually working backstage, because um, when I first started with the company, I did more of like the front of house stuff. Um, and when I did the first back, it's a whole different beast backstage. And um, you're trying to switch these girls, quick changes. And I remember a girl was like, I need to change my shoes. And I'm like, you have 30 seconds to be on the stage. Just keep the shoes. Right. And then I saw the pictures after and I was like, oh, she should have changed the shoes. Um, so we've all done it. Um, I think anybody in the production industry has absolutely done it. But I think the harder part of that is actually the designers. So the designers have this vision, right? And they work for months. And, you know, our job is to appease them. I want to make sure that whatever your vision is for what you want to see on the runway or in a photo, let me make that come to life, right? And a lot of times they don't know what that's actually going to look like when it hits a runway. So then it hits a runway and they get the pictures back. And I'm like, I kind of tried to tell you. <laughs> so it's a lot of just allowing them to have their creative vision and knowing when to pull them back and when to really see, okay, um, this isn't going to photograph well. And how do I get them to see that? And, you know, um, and a lot of times it's a lot of trial and error. 
um, and years of experience and having a really, really solid backstage team. You know, I let designers always bring, you know, one or two people to help, but I always need to have a solid team of my own who's seen the looks ahead of time, has an idea of what they want to see these models. And then I'm right there before we send these girls on stage. You know, I have my last 10 seconds to, you know, adjust accordingly, but it, it happens and it's, you know, a fast paced industry. And stylists are so incredibly, I mean, so incredibly necessary because, like we said before, uh, one piece can be complete. It can be the most beautiful swimwear piece and you add the wrong hairstyle. You uh, Me as a model myself, I remember um, this guy had a beautiful collection and he covered it with like a, he wanted like a boa type thing. And I'm like, this is a gorgeous piece. You're t detracting from your own piece. You know, people are only going to pay attention to the boa. And so, you know, it's a lot of people shooting themselves in the foot <laughs> and it's a lot of learning and people's own personal style and um, taking all things into consideration. So of course, you know, I've seen mistakes, but I've also seen things that I didn't think would look great and they come out and surprise me. Uh, so it's a little bit of, you know, rolling the dice and doing the best we can with the experience that we have and the, you know, having a really good team of stylists. So this past weekend, this is so funny that we're talking about this, right? I was hired to, and the reason I did it was because it's my friend. She, she has an event in the Hamptons, it's Hamptons fashion week. And she said, would you be my like lead stylist in the back to work with all the designers and make sure that their collections go down. Okay. And I was a little bit on the fence because I was like, yes, I'm a stylist and I have an eye, but that's not what I do. But I was like, I'll do it. I'm going to do it and have fun. And so I was a little bit, um, I don't want to say intimidated, but I was a little bit afraid because I was like, this is not what I do, but I like to challenge myself in different areas. And it was a great experience. Um, but it was so interesting because I'm like, okay, I'm here and I'm going to reinforce someone's vision and tell them where something is on or off, right, with all the designers. And there was one particular designer who was completely awesome, but one designer, I got to see all their stuff beforehand and I styled the whole collection for them. But all the other designers, I only, they send me photos. Photos do nothing for me. I have to see things in person. You know how this works. So one woman... Um, who was really amazing. I really got to work with her. And it's very hard when you're working with a designer because you're like, I'm here to follow your vision and make it better. But sometimes they throw so many things into the mix that I think they lose sight of their own vision. And I literally had to say, no, take this off, put that. But I have to tell you that was nerve wracking because I felt like if it goes wrong, that's on me. I'm the stylist behind it. My name is on that. And I'm glad it didn't. But it is a whole different ball game working backstage. And you're right. It is hectic. It's insane. And so another question I have for you is what happens when a designer comes in with 28 models for their collection and everyone else has like 10 models because oh, this happens. And this is the reason I'm asking. It happens. Uh, thankfully not so much anymore to me. So it has absolutely happened to me. And because of it, we've had to create certain systems where that just cannot be feasible anymore. So we let the designers know ahead of time 
they don't get to pick their models at all until the day of the show. So what ends up happening is I hand select every model that walks for us. And I take that really, really personally um, because I have a certain personal connection with every single model that I, you know, choose for our shows. Uh, So what ends up happening is months before we'll do castings. And this recently we've had to do virtual ones, which was a whole different ball game for me, something that I've never you know, stepped into, but actually really enjoyed because it allowed me to get people from all over where usually it's in-person casting. So it's local or, you know, they'll send me videos. And like you said, what can you really do with just your 30 second video? So I got to do virtual castings and then get videos and then do, you know, follow up castings. And it gave me a chance to really get to know these girls um, and get girls from all over the U.S., which was super exciting. And so we just let the designers know, look, here's the list of the girls that we've selected. Here's their pictures so you can get a feel of them. The day of, you can fit girls. We actually do fittings a couple days before the show. But, um, you know, we'll have the designers come. They get to do their fittings with their stylist. And that's when they, they have all the girls in front of them. And they can choose from the girls that we've already pre-selected. It's the only way to make it fair because what ends up happening is I have to put a hundred girls through hair and makeup or, you know, a a model, a designer will bring a bunch of models and some of them aren't that strong or, you know, it's all of these things that just, you know, people want to bring their friends or their, it just becomes a huge deal. So um, I like to have those models confirmed weeks before everyone's kind of on the same page. You've kind of had to streamline that because it has been absolutely, I've had people bring models two hours before they're supposed to walk and say, oh, let me fit her. Let me get her through hair and makeup. Like, you know, none of that is possible. It's, you know, so I think that's the best way to handle it is just, you know, ahead of time. And then, you know, if it comes down to day of show and they bring it, I have a, a mean woman voice I put on. <laughs> I have a work voice that goes and, um, you know, I had to put my big girl pants on. But uh, for the most part, we've kind of, clean that so that it doesn't happen. Yeah, because you're director of operations, correct? So you're really the person who, you know, manages it. And you're right. That's the first thing I noticed, um, that it has to be streamlined because not only are you dealing with makeup people, models, fitting, I mean, even though if they fit and then you still want to fit them the day of, there's so many parts going on at the same time. And then the thing that fascinated me the most that I was like, you can't be serious, are the people who, I don't even ask me how, I don't know, I don't care, but they fought, they wormed their way backstage and now they want to start giving you some kind of pitch about their business or what. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm not here for this. I'm, you know, like we're working back here. You shouldn't even be back here. Women are changing, get out. But it's so weird. And I'm like, you might deal with that all the time but i'm sure you have it streamlined where you're like oh this is not happening wow you would think that and we it's like my biggest issue every year i've gotten security for entrances i've gotten badges so that people know who shouldn't be and every year someone's boyfriend so something happens where someone tries to get backstage and especially with men i have to be so careful because you know we have male models and the women tend to be okay with the male models they understand you know the situation but it's swimwear. You're it's a very you're very vulnerable. So uh, it, it requires a lot, a lot of, you know, comfortability. And with men back there, especially photographers that they don't know, they don't know where these images are going. So you, it's it's to the point where that is my number one priority being a, being able to have been on both ends. You know, I've 
walked in runway shows. And that was what was always really uh, a big, big issue for me is one, did they feed you? I hate when they don't feed models. Um, and then two, um, you know, do, do they really care about you? Are they making sure that you're safe and you're protected and they're, you know, I make sure my, like I said, my girls are my girls. I make sure that they're taken care of first and foremost. I love my men too, you know, but um, there's a certain, just like I said, vulnerability that comes with, you know, being a model and doing swimwear. So I make sure that they feel comfortable, you know, with us. Yeah. You're so right. I had a, a huge team of dressers that were, they were my team. They were helping me. So I had two dressers assigned to each designer and I would go up to them after like two hours or whatever. And I was like, take a break right now. As soon as you finish steaming that, go drink some water, go use the bathroom, go outside for five minutes, get some fresh air and come right back in. Because if not, you know, I don't want anyone dehydrating or whatever on my watch. So all of that was good. It was just the stragglers that I'm like, what the hell? Um, how do you choose what designers get to participate in your swimwear fashion shows? Like, what are the prerequisites? So, of course, it comes down to the, the main thing, right, is do you have enough pieces for a collection? Right. So a lot of designers, either especially new designers, they don't have enough new pieces. It has to be something that's never been showcased, never been shown before a new season, a new collection. Do you have enough pieces? Right. So people can apply via our website, DC Swim Week, and that's for both Miami. So it's dcswimweek.com, and that's both for DC Swim Week and Miami Swim Week. We have it on both platforms. Um, and it comes down to a lot of things. You know, where are they? How long have they been in the industry? Give me a little pitch about, you know, what you do, what does your brand stand for? But this year I was very kind of particular with the designers we picked. You know, of course, designers do have to pay to be a part of the show. That's actually how we fund the show other than, you know, maybe sponsors. But I was very diligent to pick people who were kind of different, a little bit of an edge, you know, someone who was focused on equal friendly designs or someone who did something more about, you know, curve models, or uh, we did an amazing LGBTQ collection where he, I mean, this designer was, I loved him to death. He, um, he brought a drag queen onto the runway who played with each model who walked out, you know, it added a little bit of a fun element to it. And um, I love that. I love just that the straight and narrow that we think of when we think of fashion shows. I'm trying to break that mold in every way that I can. And I'm trying to do it slowly because if you don't do it slowly, it, it tends to look like you don't know what you're doing. Right. So you have to you have to break into that you know realm slowly uh, and show, look, we can put on a classic show. We've been doing that for years. I can give you, you know, cookie cutter exactly what you want to see. But you know, is it worth your money? Is it worth these designers time? Is it pushing in the innovation of swimwear? And I didn't realize how important our swim, you know, these shows are because each time we show a new collection, that's showing where the swimwear world is going, right? What do we see the next generation of swimwear looking like? And um, I get to show, I get to pick what that is, right? I get to pick what collections do I see really pushing away for new innovation. Um, and so that's an exciting thing to do. And um, I love, you know, the process of that with my team. So we get a lot, a lot of applications and we just kind of go through and it doesn't come down to, you know, a lot of people think, okay, do we look for the, the verified ones? How many followers do they have? You know, I don't look at that. 
-hmm. I do not look at that with my models or with my designers. That is not what I look at. And every designer or model who's worked with me can, you know, attest to that. That's not what matters. It's, you know, do you really value yourself, your brand, and what can that bring to me? Because people who don't take themselves seriously, it'll ruin my, it, you know, it ruins productions because they, they come late. They have half their products. It's not steamed. It's, you know, they could care less what the styling looks like. I want you to, you know, it matter to you as much as it matters to me. Um, and so that's probably the most important things for us. I don't know if this is in my own imagination, but I've thought about this a few times and I feel like there's an explosion of swimwear that we've never seen before. I feel like it's a really exciting time for swimwear, but like no other time. Am I right? Or is this my imagination? No, you're absolutely right. And I think what that came from was one, we're coming out of COVID, right? So, so much creativity came from COVID. Oh, we can find one positive, you know, thing in it. That is definitely, you know, one of them. So much positivity, so much creativity. Um, it would have been, it's been really cool to see. But um, I think more of what it comes to is we have brands like Rihanna's Fenty, right? Um, and things like that that are more inclusive, right? And swimwear is something that for so long was not very inclusive, right? You're naked and they, they make it in size like negative zero. And, you know, it's not – it never really – was for all body types. And when you're picking swimwear, this is like I said, when you're almost naked and you're showing everything you have, you want to feel, that is when you want to feel your absolute most confident and your most sexy, right? And so with the industry becoming more inclusive and, um, you know, you see models of all shapes, all sizes. And like I said, um, just being in my role now, I never understood the power that I had um, until really this last show in Miami, because for the first time I had full autonomy. I mean, I had in years past, but Miami is a little bit different. I had full autonomy on the models that we picked. Right. And so it wasn't always, you know, the designer's favorite thing, but I would pick a little bit shorter girls or girls who are a little bit more curvy or, you know, things that designers normally would not pick. And a lot of times designers were like, oh, I, and I, there's three designers in particular who are very upset with me with some of the design, the models I picked and then used like four of my girls, loved them, used them, you know, and they use their pictures and all these things because it, they didn't realize there's so much value in these women who, you know, they might not be your six feet tall girls who are, you know, that's so played out. And I hate to say that, right? Because even when I got into the industry, I remember my first um, designer, I was telling him that I always wanted to do runway, but they told me I have tattoos, quite a bit of them. And I'm not that tall. I'm like five, seven. And I was telling him, oh, I could never do runway. I'm a print. I am print through and through. And he's like, I'll see how you just walk around here, Danae. You know, you should think about doing runway. And I, was like, yeah, I never thought I could do runway. And the first couture designer, Kaz, um, who actually believed in me and put me into a couture gown. Um, it was one of those moments for me where I was like, I love this because I want other women who have tattoos and aren't that tall to, to now do it. And so I'm picking girls that future generations can see a shorter girl on the runway. They can see a curvier girl on the runway and believe I can do it. I can do it. And so 
the girls that we pick now are so important. And I mean, just with an industry that, like I said, is more inclusive and it's, you know, gearing away from that idea of what beauty is and kind of creating this all compassing um, idea. I think that's why swimwear is really allowed to, you know, expand the way it has, you know, it's just all body types, all people. It's really being able to be for the people where I don't think it really was before. That is, um, it's just so sweet to hear that because not all, listen, it's intimate wear, right? So where else are you going to go? And if you didn't think to go that way, somewhere someone else is going to think to do it. So you know that it's your instinct telling you to do it. So you just did it. And I feel like if the designers can't get on board, then they're putting themselves in a box because you should be able to um, design for every body type with intimate wear. You're not making gowns. It's not denim. It's, you know what I mean? So good for you for pushing the boundary, for pushing different conversations, for pushing out stereotypes because every body type is going to wear a bathing suit, male or female. That's it. So kudos to you. Um, it was so much fun talking to you, Danae, uh, and learning about your world. And I really have a much more appreciation for it being that I did my first fashion week <laughs> this past weekend. And I was like, well, this is quite interesting. So now I really respect all the, I know what operations entails and yeah, I really respect what you do. And I thank you for taking the time to come on. Please let everyone know where they can find you, but also, you know, Miami has so many swimsuit designers, not only Miami, Miami, Colombia, Puerto Rico, um, Dominican Republic. Like they have, there's so many great designers, even New York. So if people are like, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe I can show my thing. Maybe my stuff is great. Like, where can they find you to find out more? Oh, okay. Of course. Absolutely. So you can follow me on Instagram at Danae Mariah. Um, DCSwimWeek.com is a great resource if you're interested in being a designer, a model, any kind of uh, facet you want to get involved with the company. That's a great resource for you. Designers from all over the world have worked with us. I mean, different countries, states, you name it, we worked with them. So um feel free to reach out to us. Um, we also, you know, of course, have our own Instagram at Miami Swim Shows and at DC Swim Week Official. So any handle um, you guys want to reach us at, be happy to talk to you guys. Thank you again. Danae Mariah, like I said, she is a model and operation of DC Swim Week and Miami Swim Week. So they have a lot to offer. And even if you can't make it to the show, I'm sure that you can watch it online, right, Danae? Absolutely. So of course, every single one of our shows is on YouTube. Um, some of them have millions of hits already. So it's insane. Um, so yeah, you can find all of our stuff on YouTube. That's There's links via the website. Um, and if you look at our social media, you get a good feel of of, you know, the designers and the models that we work with as well. And so, and now you're in the know, because if you want to know who are the next emerging swimwear designers, there you go. You know exactly where to go to Danae Mariah's page. And you can find me at the Wardrobe Boss or at Wardrobe Boss on Instagram and Wardrobe Boss Podcast on Instagram. Any questions you have, feel free to ask me, uh, direct message me, but keep continuing to join the conversation by checking out the podcast, by making your comments. This is a community effort 
we want to hear from you and we want to hear your feedback just because you're part of this community that I want to create with my podcast. Yes, it's mainly to talk about wardrobe and style and fashion, but there are so many facets to that. There's no pretension here. Listen to us and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and tell a friend to tell a friend and comment. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us, Wardrobe Boss out. And thank you again to my very special guest, Danae Mariah. Have a great day, everybody. Wardrobe Boss is hosted and produced by Eliza Perilla. Edited by Ken Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Wardrobe Boss podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Wardrobe Boss is a mean old line media production. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.